Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur, and the man himself is in his own bubble, and I'm not talking about a reality. I'm talking about an actual location. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? Still not telling you. Still no, not telling no, you no, where no. I am. You're back in the bubble. So let me tell you this. <laughs> when you went back down to the undisclosed location, whatever yeah. that may be in the world, yeah. Who did, knows? You, did, did you have to quarantine for eight days, take nasal swabs twice a day, and all that stuff like these NBA guys are having to do? I'm not telling you because <laughs> these restrictions or what I would have to do would, you know, give you some insight about where I am, if I've left the country or not. I can't tell you these things. Really, all I'm trying to learn is, <laughs> did the tune-up actually make it into the NBA bubble? That's what I'm trying to learn with these. Let's with say that. <laughs> Let's say I'm floating in international waters. Let's oh, say that. that. That's always the best way way to do things. But Danny, actually, did you hear that, that New Jersey is the least patriotic state in America? You would not be able to tell that by going down to Belmar and I know. by the marina with all the... Uh, 2020 make america whatever again thing so well that's not necessarily patriotic <laughs> for some people it is for some people it is but this is have a you ever show. lived in a house that that flew an american flag uh no no like, did your family fly one i mean we had it but never like a flagpole where it's like i'm out there at 7 a.m just flying up the pole and folding it every night like we weren't that crazy, but yeah, you know, like Fourth of July, you'd have a flag out, but growing up, which feels weird now. It feels weird to have any sort of flag, but well, it's strange. It's like a, it's like a, I'm, you know, I'm not an unpatriotic guy. I like my country. I've never been in a house that's flown a flag, but you're talking about the, you know, the people who like bring the flag down every night, yeah. fold it all nice, and some, do that. Some real like Roger to me, Yelchin. I think that's yeah. like. The people who take it seriously, you know, should be doing that. Too often I see, like, someone's American flag just all tattered. Exactly. You know, wrapped around a pole. They're not really taking it seriously. They just threw it up there. Right. I don't know. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, especially you ever reflect on the fact that every morning you started your day in school with the sentence, I pledge my allegiance. Like, it's something I said, like, thousands and thousands of times that became innocuous to me yeah. you know because i'm like i pledge my allegiance to the flag and then i'm like thinking about it as an adult i'm like whoa kind of creepy star wars dystopian shit like a little kid it that way yeah just being i pledge my allegiance you know it sounds like pretty gnarly Especially when uh, these kids don't really know what the fuck they're talking about yet, you know? I mean, I, I, I think we're a far cry from 1984 and everyone taking Soma. But no, I see what you're saying there, you know? <laughs> well, I was the dick kid by like junior or senior year of high school who, wouldn't, who, who realized you don't have to stand up for it and then stop standing oh, up for it. Not because I was un-American, but just at that point in my life, I was, you know... Just Benny, trying to fuck with teachers. What, really. what would you have done if you went to Catholic school where not only do you have to say the uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, but you got to say the Our Father every single morning? That, hey, man. That was something yeah. else. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess like a Jewish kid parading around Catholic school oh, that... might have been disingenuous enough that I would have been fine saying whatever. Hey, man, you it's know? all about where that school can get you for college and whatever and stuff. There no, I know a lot, lot of people do it. Yeah. yeah, Catholic school is cheaper than private school. Yeah. A lot of Jews will send their kids there. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Just it's crazy. Deal with a little. I mean, listen, 
in reality, we invented all of it. Yeah. So, you know, we, we started the school. The metric says, yeah, yeah. You guys get all the credit. <laughs> the entire education system is cultural appropriation. We get it. We get it. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're, I'm an Old Testament kind of guy, Daddy. Fire and brimstone, baby. Oh, man. Benny, speaking of, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how we go from the Old Testament to the Walt Disney World bubble that the NBA is in. Maybe pledging allegiance, which is what all these guys have had to do down in Florida. But today on the program, we are joined by senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Joe Varden. He is in Florida. So we got the tune-up in the, the transitive property in the NBA bubble. Look at that. We are in the bubble. I'm pretty <laughs> stoked about that. You know what's not hey. controversial, Benny? This damn music history. That. Let's get to it. This one's like near and dear to my heart. It's not, it's not the funnest story. Again, listen, I was trying to find like a nice positive day in music history, but not every day is positive, you know? Yeah. What are you going to do? That's life. Uh, but on this day in 1996 is when one of my all-time favorite bands, not anymore, the Smashing Pumpkins... Mm ceased being great mm. and when you look at the long history of the smashing pumpkins everything that happened there is like a slide from this day onwards for whatever they did and it's because they fired their original drummer jimmy chamberlain who was an absolute powerhouse and played on all their classic songs now you might say oh why'd they fire that guy this and that well it's a complicated story jimmy chamberlain at the time was using very heavy drugs. He was addicted to heroin and doing it all the time and had some stints in rehab and had some other issues on the same touring cycle. And when they started playing Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness live, they realized they needed more instrumentation. They needed keys. So they brought in uh, a younger professional key player, Jonathan Milvoin, who... Um, actually had a really long lineage in the business. Uh, his, his father was a pianist in the Wrecking Crew. He played on Pet Sounds. He recorded with Sinatra, Lennon, Tom Waits. His sister, Wendy, was the guitarist and a singer in Prince and the Revolution. Wow. And this guy, even though he was a key player for the Pumpkins, he was so talented that he played drums in the, the legendary punk band, The Dickies, before wow. this. So this guy had a really cool career. And... Uh, you know, the, the night before the Smashing Pumpkins are supposed to play their uh, first show ever at Madison Square Garden, these two get a uh, very heavy bag somewhere in New York, and they both overdose in a hotel room in New York. Jimmy Chamberlain survived. The keyboard player, Jonathan Melvoin, did not. Hmm. And a week later is when they fired Jimmy Chamberlain. Wow. Now, it's not the funnest story in the world, but you would think... Jimmy Chamberlain got clean. He eventually rejoined the band. They eventually tried to make music again, tour again, but nothing ever panned out the same way. And even in an interview, Billy Corgan in uh, 2013 was asked, did, did Jimmy being sacked cripple the band? And he wrote, oh, absolutely. I should have quit right then. Instead, I doubled down on a bad situation and it got worse. The band went into a Cold War vibe. People stopped talking and was walking away from rock stylistically. I was burning my bridges. So even he admitted that that was probably the day that the Smashing Pumpkins died. And this is another testament to the fact that sometimes 
when it all goes bad and your run is over, shut it down. You know, yeah. go do something else because you had the you had the glory, and the Smashing Pumpkins are now a shell of what they once were. And it's not the most fun story. Jonathan Melvoin died too young. Uh, seemed like he had a long, interesting career in the music business ahead of him. But this is a cautionary tale for most artists, which is two things. Don't fire your awesome original drummer. Never going to go well. And shut it down when you have to, because you got to keep your music beautiful. You don't want to be some old, old sack just blowing in a bag, you know? My This Day in Music History, on this date in 1972, a bomb exploded under the Rolling Stones equipment van in Montreal, wow. uh, believed to be by French separatists, because, you know, that that's a big controversy up there. Still Has a been. thing in the 70s, yeah, huh? Yeah, still a thing. Um, apparently, though, apparently the Rolling Stones who do not get out of this story unscathed, angry fans rioted, throwing bottles and rocks after 3,000 tickets for the show turned up to be fake. Oh. Now, you know, it's funny. I did not plan on talking about this with you. I actually once went to a Gaslight Anthem concert, and I bought the tickets, and they turned out to be fake tickets. But a oh, a, no. a wonderful bouncer uh, was like, all right, come on, kid, get in. So Yeah, it took mercy on you. Yeah. Huh? But would you buy like a like like online like yeah, a fake one? Yeah, yeah. Don't no, do that. No. Just 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 buy them through through the venue official ways. A lot of these third party people, not your friends. That's a PSA for today. Yeah, you know what I miss? I miss scalpers. Do you? you know? I love a scalper. Even though I've been I've been ripped off by scalpers yeah. before. I had to chase one down in Detroit. That didn't go well. <laughs> but you know, it's a funny story about that. Is outside of the knitting factory in new york mm -hmm. we played a sold out show there and you know we're inside i knew like i knew my father was coming to this show and one of the guys from gaslight walks in they're like dude your dad's out there working the line and i'm like what <laughs> and my dad was literally walking up and down the line of the gaslight crowd to get in going got to got to with two tickets sticking out of his breast pocket. My dad was outside of the show scalping. That's wonderful. He had bought, he'd bought four tickets. He thought he always bought them. Yeah. You know, this wasn't like a Ricky Bobby situation where I gave it to him. Uh, but he always bought him. He had two extra. And then he decided to work the line because the only frame of reference my dad had was like Giants games and shit, you know? <laughs> so I'm, I'm teasing him. I'm like, what are you doing? Working the line, selling tickets. He's like, what am I supposed to do with them? Throw them away? You know? So, so my father's uh, actually scalped at my own shows. He is a senior NBA writer for The Athletic. He's coming to us from the Disney NBA bubble in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. He is Joe Varden. That is the perfect bubble Zoom background right there. Yeah. You like it? <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, it's yeah. perfect. <laughs> well, uh, did everybody get double bedrooms? Uh, at least, uh, wait, you know what? I, I was going to say at least reporters, but that's not true. I know Mark Stein of the New York times. They gave him a king size bed. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I got two queen beds and no couches. Um, it's 314 square feet. I, uh, my workout is I run from that door yeah. to that window oh, okay. for, for about a half hour. And then I do put like prison push ups basically. Wow. 
You could pull the old school tour move. You just pop both of those mattresses off, toss them on the floor, and you got a mega bed. That's not a bad idea. I still have a few <laughs> days left in quarantine. I may yeah. have to try that. <laughs> Might as well play around at this point. You know? That's right. <laughs> so how many more days of quarantine do you have down there? You know, you would think I would know the answer to that. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's either going to be Sunday or Monday. Like I could see it being Monday morning where I could say, I could see him saying, listen, you, you've had seven negative tests Sunday afternoon. We'll get you out now. So one of those. So how often are you getting tested? Every day. Wow. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. For every the, day for the entirety of the quarantine, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's wow. so each media outlet, like it, it costs, it'll cost the athletic $550 a day, okay. which you might think sounds like a lot, but first of all, we've saved millions on travel through the, the whole pandemic. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And then like that gets you room, three meals a day, a COVID test, and then transportation wherever you need it, like for Disney. Um, okay. So it's really not that bad. Like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and how's the, f the food's just appearing at your front door? I saw, I saw a video of that. Yeah, the food shows up at your front door while you're in quarantine. Um, right. And it, it looks <laughs> way worse than it tastes. Like, uh. the, the food is fine. It just looks, it looks bad because of how sure. they have to package it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just eating takeout all the time, basically. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Could be worse. Any yeah. other complaints uh. from the players about, you know, because I know, like, Disney food, it's, like, it's, like, good for, like, normal people's standards. But when you're used to having, like, SDK Steakhouse and stuff like that every right. night, it's kind of a major downgrade. Yeah, I mean, so listen, like the, when the players were in quarantine, they were only in it for 36 hours, mm. but they, they were eating what I'm eating now. Mm. And that is, okay. it's just not like, it's fine, but it's, yeah. it's not what they're used to. Right. Yeah. Um, but once you get out of quarantine, then like you mentioned STK, like they can go to Morton's, there's a second steakhouse, there's a Del Frisco's chicken, there's a couple seafood restaurants and then like the hotel experience is different too. So like they're, they are eating fine. They're fine. Nice. I saw, I saw J.R. Smith comparing himself to a Ferrari and you have to give a Ferrari premium gas. What, what, what's the car you're driving? <laughs> well, I mean, well, J.R.'s car hasn't been pulled out of the garage since November of 2018. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah, yeah. A, a cute might need a, might need a tune up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, maybe like a Honda CRV. Maybe. Okay. It's a quality Good car. car. Point yeah. A to point B. Sturdy. Not going anywhere. <laughs> you change the oil on that thing and go 300,000 miles. That's right. Yeah, you're That's good. exactly right. Yeah, you'll live forever. <laughs> so there are only 10 reporters chosen to come in the bubble, right? It, it, it might be slightly more than okay. that. They, they got more requests than they thought they would get, but it's it's probably like it's probably like 11. But gotcha. they're, what they're saying is more than 10 and less than 20. <laughs> so how did you end up getting chosen? And what was your reaction when you're like, I got to go to this bubble? Yeah. I mean, like, so like we have a, um, you know, I mean, internally we knew this was coming. And so because of my job title and because of like the, the assignments that I had had already completed and I was like, I was supposed to go to the Olympics this summer. Mm. Um, so this is like my kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, they gauge my interest. I said, I was in for whatever you wanted to send me for. Um, and then they internally, they deliberate as far as, well, who should we send? Who else wants to go? And they kind of work on that. And then they decided on what they decided. And then you, um, you submit your credential when the NBA asked for it, which is, which was really late, like way late oh. in the process. And, you know, then the NBA had to make some decisions as to who they were going to let in. But, you know, the athletic has 
we have about a million subscribers, yeah. which is a lot. Right. Um, sure. You know, so so between our reach and how much money we spend to cover the league, because we have in addition to a staff of like four or five national guys like me, we have a beat writer in every city, mm-hmm. and yes. we travel yes. to most of the road games. So that's, I mean, no one outside of ESPN spends as much money as we do to cover them. So like that, that would that would be what plays into their decision. And, you know, of course they were going to let us in. And because I was on the, my name was on the sheet. That means me. Yeah. Awesome. So in my interest of trying to sneak into the bubble, uh, (laughs) I was curious, like, like when you got there, what are we talking about at like the gate, the front door? Like what was checking? Like, I mean, how did you actually get from the airplane to your room? What, what, What was that? What was that experience? Yeah, so so the NBA um, picks you up wherever you want picked up, um, and so they they whether it's the airport or the car rental place or if you drove in whatever, so they pick you up. So I was picked up in a in a town car. So there's no and, like uh, outside transportation services. It's all like no, in, yeah, I mean like NBA, and, yeah, and the drivers had all been tested sure, and they were all sense. in masks. No magical like it was, express. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's funny. Like you, um, uh, the that the, the magical express. At least, like, because I've I've been to Disney like nine thousand times. Me too. And I've I've been on that bus, and it was just so weird to see that dark. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. But so yeah, so I got picked up, and then like they drove me here. Like I had actually stayed at this hotel with my oh, family really? within the last two years. Oh, okay. Um, so I was just pulling up to another hotel that I've seen before. Sure. Um, but it, it was weird because like you don't check in where you normally check in. You checked in like in this ballroom and it was very quiet and almost somber. Yeah. And like, you know, like a doctor asked for your name. You, I give it to them. They check it. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, one yes. second. Someone brings out my band. They drive me to my room with all my stuff. And they're like, yeah, don't leave. <laughs> See like, you don't, later. Don't leave, yeah. don't leave your room. And, wow. um, you know, that's kind of how it starts. What, what did the drive-in look like? Was it kind of like like look a little dystopian or something like a totally empty Disney like that. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, um, you know, just driving, driving along I four and then you pull up, you know, you, you kind of peel off there and you go through that big, like welcome to Walt Disney world, uh, sign. And there's just no, there's no traffic. I mean, you know, magic kingdom is open and one other park I can remember they are open, but they're operating at a very small capacity. And there's just, there's just nothing in the way of traffic. There just isn't, I mean, like the, the airports, the same, you know, I, I flew through Dulles and, uh, I mean, you know, like my, my plane was like maybe a third full. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, yeah. Like you said, it's dystopian and there's a a weird feeling to it. I just imagine Chevy Chase and his family pulling up to (laughs) Wally world at the, uh, the end of national lampoons vacation. That's what it seems like to me. <laughs> That's great. I love it. So, have you heard anything about how you know different types of rooms were assigned for the players? Because I can't imagine Caruso and LeBron are in the same caliber of room. Danny, we discuss this. They're roommates. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, listen. Like, there's no, you know, in the NBA, you never stay uh, with a roommate ever. Which that right. I'm sure that doesn't surprise you. Um, th- the only kind of picking that went along was the seven best teams record wise got the newest hotel, which is a tower on property here. 
okay. at the Coronado Springs. It's called the Grand Destino, but it's it's all part of the same property. But yeah, it's brand new, built within the last year. Um, but the rooms are not the same for them as as they're used to. Like it's not the Ritz, it's sure. not the Four Seasons, and yeah, there's just yeah. not as much room and kind of like pretty much they all stay in suites no matter where we are in the country. Of course. Um, and that's just, they don't have that here. Mm. So they're just in normal old rooms with a coffee machine. And just... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still like not as normal as this room. <laughs> right, um, right, right, right. It's still good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still good. The full you know, size soaker is still in there or something. That, that's yeah. right. I mean, th th there's room. Like, I think one player, I can't remember if it was Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. One of them brought like a bare, uh, one of those like chambers, like barometric chambers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Pat Beverly, like, he really pimped out his room, brought a bunch of crazy stuff. I'm sure LeBron has every, <laughs> you know, gadget and gizmo in the world in his room um, yeah. from a health perspective. So they have some room, but even like, like this room is way smaller with way less amenity, like fewer amenities than I would be used to mm -hmm. as a, right, as a sure. reporter, like, cause you build up all that Marriott status and then like, they, <laughs> right. and, but it's fine. I mean, like, you know, Disney, they don't build the rooms for you to hang out in all day. They know you're yeah, that's to right. go to the park. So this is yeah. just like a kind of a strange spot to have us quarantine, but utilitarian. That's how right. are you, how are you filling up besides for your door to door exercise routine? And, you know, trying to follow what's going on in the league, how, how you filling up your time. So, I mean, this is the thing over and over that like people are surprised to hear, but I, I, I really do work from about 10 in the morning to nine at night. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, like the, these, uh, these media calls with the teams, they go all day. Like there's, there's I some see. going on right now. You can hop on whichever ones you want. And then the next thing is um, the interest in, you know, because reporters are way more accessible than players, of course. Right. And we're all having the same living experience. So there is a lot of interest out there in, in how like we are doing basically. And sure, so yeah. like I'm doing a lot of interviews like that, um, staying in touch with sources, trying to break some news. Like today, um, my colleague and I, you know, had a nice little breaking news story about uh, Zion Williamson uh, right. suffering a minor injury uh, in addition to having to leave the bubble for a family uh, family emergency. So you do do that all day. And then at the end of the day, you kind of scoop up all the information you that, that I gathered and I write something that's like in diary form for the next morning for the athletic. I see. So that takes me to nine o'clock. I mean, you oh. know, I probably take a half hour to eat. Like when the food comes, I get my COVID test like in the three o'clock hour. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, at, you know, at nine o'clock, I, I open up a bottle of wine or I, br I, I brought some uh, uh, ready mix uh, margarita. In a there you jug, go. You know, <laughs> kill the time, midnight, turn out the lights, start all over again the next day. You yeah, brought up uh, Zion. Obviously, he has to leave the bubble for the family thing, but when do you expect uh, we'll see him on the court for the Pelicans? You know what? I, I mean, the Pelicans aren't saying we're not sure what's wrong with him, with what's going on with family. We don't know if somebody's very sick or near death or whatever. Um, what we do know is that he his his absence was pre-approved by the league, which you oh, okay. you can leave quarantine if like if there's a family medical emergency or if you're if your significant other is going to have a baby, whatever. So this is one of those things. So because of that, when he returns, he only has to stay in quarantine for four days instead oh. of ten. 
So um, the first game isn't until uh, July 30th. We have a little bit of time. Hopefully he can get back here next week, get through his quarantine and get back to playing. I mean, I saw that, that, that I know uh, New Orleans, Utah is the first game too, right? So I was it, like, the NBA is gasping because it's exactly what happened this season where they booked New Orleans on every primetime game for the first two months of the season with no Zion. It's about to happen again in the bubble. You're making me smile saying that because like that, like I I did a big story at the start of the year. Right. That said like the NBA built its whole TV schedule on Zion Williamson. He wrecked the whole thing by getting his knee hurt. Yeah. And they just did the same thing for this restart. Exactly. (laughs) They set up all the rules so the Pelicans can maybe catch whoever and make the playoffs. Yeah. And here we go. <laughs> here we go. Lons of ball time again, baby. Unbelievable. <laughs> so much ball time. And I love the fact that it's going to be no Zion and Rudy Gobert on the other team. So that's all anybody's going to talk about there. Who's become the – I mean, Rudy Gobert has become not only the face of the NBA's COVID situation, to me and a lot of other people, like the Rudy Gobert night, is the night is like the night this all started when like most people started taking it really seriously. He's like the poster child for it now. There's no question about it. Like I, I called it the other day, the, the, the night the world ended right. um, yeah. because that's, that was really it. Like we were, I was in Milwaukee for the Bucks and Celtics. They were supposed to play the next night. Right. And you know, life was still going. I mean like the, the NCAA tournament was about to start. Everybody was going to work. All of our kids were in school. And then when Rudy tested positive, I mean, the NBA shut down immediately. Uh, the, the NCAA tournament was canceled. The Masters was canceled or postponed. And, you know, before I think I even got home to Cleveland, uh, my kid's school was, was shut down until right. further notice statewide. And that was it. We, life has Stop. not been the same since yeah. that night. Fucking Rudy Gobert, man. <laughs> it's all Rudy. It's all Rudy. Damn it. Well, I mean, at least if one positive thing has come out of this basketball-wise, it's the fact that Jamal Crawford now has a chance to be the NBA's leading scorer since the Nets are about to sign me. To um, so I, I saw something the other day with Ben Ben Simmons, you know, throwing up some nice-looking perimeter shots, a few of his players trolling him that the shot's looking nice, and he just – tweeted back Orlando, which is when he's going to start shooting threes again. Is he just, is he the official perimeter shot troll or is he, is he really going to start throwing these things up? You think? Well, well, I mean, you know, Brett Brown moved him to power forward, (laughs) right? I mean, this guy, like you could, you could build a a neighborhood of houses with, with some of the bricks he's thrown up there this year. Like he, you know, Ben is a wonderful player. Yeah. Um, And, and when he's right, he he's dominant and and like i watched him like i was i was there uh the night that lebron actually passed kobe and but the sixers kicked their ass and and ben simmons was fantastic Mm -hmm. um but he he's he is a just an abysmal three-point shooter and hurts the sixers by having the ball in his hand so much and being unable to play out there on the perimeter so you know i like i like that they have moved him and then after moving him to the four, if he steps back out and starts knocking threes, I mean, that's just so, so NBA. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's the way it works now. Right. That's the new NBA, yeah. So, um, 
Now, because of all the, like, I feel like, you know, the West is, is still kind of where we thought it was a little bit, you know, prior to the season ending. But the East, I feel like, become a, a much more wide open situation. A little bit to Denny's chagrin because he was hoping his bucks were just going <laughs> to roll through. And I think some of these other teams like Philly, Miami, Boston have put themselves in a much better situation. You think something funky is, is primed to happen in the Eastern Conference? Well, I think something's I th- I think something funky to to borrow your your phraseology there. Nice. I, yes, something's going to happen. Is it in the east though? I don't know. Like oh, okay. I, I just I don't think we're going to I don't think it's we're going to see chalk uh, across the board. Like I I love the Bucks. They're deep. Giannis is awesome. Their 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 supporting cast is tremendous. Um but when you look over there and you think about the Heat you know, things were going pretty bad for them at the, when the pandemic hit, and now they've had time to let that go away and get healthy, and and they can incorporate uh, Iguodala properly. That's interesting. The Raptors are incredible, um, super great story. And then the Sixers, you know, they were supposed to challenge Milwaukee all yes. year. They have the talent; they just couldn't put it together. So, so that's what you look for over there. And then uh, in the West, I mean, I, I just think I think the Clippers um, are better than the Lakers right now. They're deeper, they're tougher. And then the Rockets, you know, they have two MVPs on that team. Yeah. And if they can both get rid of COVID, uh, then you know, I mean, m- maybe that's the squad. So, you know, I really think there are about six teams that have a legitimate chance here, and and uh, I don't think we're going to see one versus one come come the finals. Gotcha. I got to ask you a brief aside. You brought up the heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Pat Riley in the bubble? And if so, how scared is every other GM that he's going to tamper with their best player? <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, so he is, uh, I mean, Pat obviously is, is uh, advanced in age. And then, um, you know, the guys who work below him, like, I'm just not sure. So I, I haven't been to the heat practice yet. I haven't seen anything. So I don't know how to answer that. Um, you know, of course, tampering is going on. And, and anytime you ask anybody about it, they say, Oh no, 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 we're not worried about it. But yeah, I mean, there's never been this kind of cross pollination of NBA opposing GMs and players and targets ever, never. Right. Right. Do you think these tampering rules should just be rid of? Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's stupid. no reason, I mean, right? Well, yeah. I mean, text message, like, come on. Yeah. What are you going to do? Right. And you can't stop players. You know, I mean, the heat happened because LeBron and Dwayne and Chris wanted to play together. All right. Yeah. Well, of course they're going to go to the nicest city and mm-hmm. you know, Dwayne was already set up there. I mean, and there's no rule that could have stopped that. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's goofball stuff. Those boys were going to make that happen. That's right. So what's going on with this snitch line? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a thing. They're really doing this to each other. And, and, they, and they absolutely being are. Called and... Of course. I mean, yeah. It, so, I mean, it's a hilarious prank, first of all. And like, <laughs> I guarantee it'll happen. I mean, players will probably get pissed off at us and call the the snitch line and say yeah varden's oh. walking around without a mask yeah. or, and i'm sure we'll do it to each other in the media and and so yes i'm sure the players are doing it to them doing doing it to each other as well the the calls that are coming in are what i would say minor in nature it's like more mask it's more six feet that kind of thing yeah um and i'll explain why that's minor 
the biggies, the two biggies that have happened so far with Rishon Holmes leaving campus to go pick up food and Bruno Caboclo um, leaving his room during quarantine to go get some jewelry from his buddy uh, who was driving it up to Florida. Like you can't do that. Like that, like that, like you could, you could be expelled for it. Um, but at minimum, when you break quarantine or you break campus, like you have to go quarantine for 10 more days. Right. Neither of those infractions were actually reported on the snitch line. Oh, I guess they happened in plain sight and like the wrong people saw it. Um, the snitch line though. Yeah. Like it's mask this and, and six feet that, which like for you two out there in the world, like you should be wearing a mask and you should be keeping your distance. Here in the bubble, we're supposed to do all that, and I'm I'm sure I will. Right. But we're all being tested every single day. Yeah, so you're and under the, the assumption that. Yeah, and from the player perspective, like it's going to get harder to make them wear masks because they're going to go out on the court and and play just like this was December of 2019. They're going to be banging bodies and breathing on each other, and yeah. they're going to do it for two hours. So then it's hard to say, well, wait a minute. It was okay for you to do that on the floor, but off the floor you can't. Like you, right. you, you can't be so close. That by August, that's that's going to be out the door. So, you know, those are more the minor infractions, and and uh, I think people are having a good time with the snitch line more than anything. If you had to guess, out of the the NBA roster pool and the media pool, who would you think would be the first to snitch? <laughs> Who's a rat? No, and rat. who's the target? Mark Stein's got to be the target, right? I, mean, I thought Chris Paul was going to be on the phone all day, but a... <laughs> who is it, man? Like, yeah, that's, that's like I feel like I'd be breaking a code to even. Uh... Yeah, no, you can't. You're you're inside of it. I'm now. inside. I'll yeah. tell you a funny story though, uh, okay. which is, I mean, it, it's got less to do with snitching, but if if you test negative, you get an email. Okay. okay. If you test positive, you get a phone call. Right. And obviously, that's not – you don't want that phone call. You don't want the call. Okay. So I had never been tested for COVID before. Like I was very careful at home in Cleveland. But having never lived through a pandemic, you don't know what know. careful sure. is. Yeah. So you don't know if you have it. So I get into my room. Like everything – like the night goes on. Finally, it's at 10 o'clock at night. I get my test. I end up going to bed about 1.00. I'm sleeping. It's my first night here at Disney. And at three 30 in the morning, the phone rings. I'm like, Oh my God. Like what? Like, I don't know what's happening. Is it a bomb threat? Is it a fire alarm? Like who knows? And then when I finally realized that it's my phone, like the, the call stopped and the, and immediately the voicemail message lit up. And at that point I remembered like, Oh shit. The NBA is calling me to tell me I tested positive. Right. So I'm freaking out and I'm like, yeah. like fumbling, trying to find a light to turn so I can see where the damn button is to, to hit the messages. And I get him and, and whoever had done it, like hung up on the voicemail. So obviously it was a prank <laughs> bastards. And, uh, oh, yeah. and like, it took me like another 15 minutes to realize that they told us it would take 15 hours to test for this. Oh, okay. And so then you like, I finally fell back asleep at like four and uh, you know, I've been negative ever since. Oh, wow. Who do you think it was? I blame Chris Haynes yeah. of uh, TNT and Yahoo. He's been such a yeah. prankster during this. He he's a he's a rascal, and we actually like we worked together at Cleveland.com. Yeah. We both covered the Cavs. Okay. They hired us the same day. They they hired him to cover the team, and they hired me to be like LeBron's like personal beat reporter. 
Right. So for two years in 15 and 16, we traveled the whole league together. They sent us to Brazil together. We went to the all-star games. We went to the, of course, all the playoffs and finals. And then he left for ESPN. Now he's doing what he's doing. I'm, you know, I have my job at the athletic. And so here we are in this real unique situation. So I, I, I think it was Chris. I think he was still on West Coast time and just decided to call me at 3.30. So let's reverse the question so you're allowed to answer it. I understand why you can't say which player would be a snitch. That's right. I completely understand that. So let's reverse it. Which player would never snitch? Who's, who's, the, biggest, who's the biggest gangster that way? I mean, there are players who like to pretend that they are gangsters. And then there are players who actually really did ha- grow up, have it yeah. rough, like, like from the tough neighborhood, like Dame Lillard p- would never pick up that phone. Right. Like that cold blooded killer who like waved goodbye to the thunder last year in the playoffs. Like that guy, he's not snitching. No, nah, he's on the code. That's right. He's on. The That's code. right. That's yeah. right. And then, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I, how do I want to say this? I like, like, I don't, and then like, I just, I don't think that any, like, like the few white guys that are in the league, like they just like out of fear of like, yeah, like, like they're not going to do it. Like, like, so, so no. they would never snitch. They just don't want to be that guy right now. They don't want to be that guy. Yeah. You know, I mean like what, I mean, Carmelo Anthony, like was, he was the one that was caught on video, like some like obscure video, like saying like, uh, you, like wasn't he on like a no snitch video like five or six years ago? So so I hope he lives by the the code that he was yeah, he was better. preaching then. So that's a great question though, man. I mean, you know, you, you hope yeah, you hope not. You hope hope these guys won't do it. I, I would imagine that Jr. probably won't be snitching. I don't know, Jr. See, he's from Jersey, and I have a little more history about him because I've looked into it. And Jr. This he's got. Good parents, two at home. He does decent middle class background. That guy looks a lot worse than he he actually really is. Yeah, he, he yes, his parents are very nice. Um, you know, like I I covered him. I mean, we were in Cleveland together, and so he. I mean, he's such an enigma. Yeah, because he's like he, he's had such a crazy adult life, and he does things that are immature. But he's also very real about them. Like he, yeah. he does accept responsibility, sure. especially older in life. Um, and he's he tried like he's tried to be like a quasi sage veteran, and he does it right. until he loses, until he, like he flies off the handle himself. So, yeah, I just don't think I think I still think he would be busier being a perpetrator instead of a you know, right. um, you know, tattletale. Yeah, I better. I should. I should bite my lip a little after I watch him work that kid in Los Angeles. So you know, you covered LeBron for a long time. I, I, what is it? I, there's not a lot of superstars I can see having the history he had with J.R. Smith with the the situation and stuff like that, and actually still him coming back into the fold and him being okay with it. What What is it about LeBron? What kind of guy is he? that sort of allows things like that to happen. I mean, you know, like LeBron is absolutely one of my favorite athletes to talk to. Um, it doesn't matter how high he continues to go. And he's already 
maybe the most famous athlete, like active athlete in the world anyway. Um, and yet like he, he has always understood the value of having a relationship with at least the reporters who are around you the most. Right. And, uh, and so he was, he was great to me immediately when we got together in Cleveland, uh, in 2014. And he is, um, let's see, like, I was going to say, like, I was going to say he's genuine. I don't know if that's the right word because there is, there are times where he protects himself and and becomes guarded and maybe says things that are less true to protect a cause or protect himself in a certain way. Um, But, but he has the ability to be a regular person and and interact and connect with you um, in a way that you would, you know, somebody who's not LeBron James. And I just appreciate that um, so much because there's so many players who are not as good as him who don't do that. Right. And he is a fantastic ambassador for this game, not only because of of his incredible, um, obviously his athletic skills and his ability to, to uh, impact the game, but because he is so uh, like he, because he has such like genuine, I'll use that word um, star power. And, right. and, the, and, and can, you know, can really be representative of the game. So that's my feeling on LeBron. You know, I like to, you know, I, I like to trip him up when he, uh, you know, w- w- on those times when he's being disingenuous, but he's <laughs> like, he, he's the, he's cut from the right stuff. I think. So is it, it's that it's, it's almost like kind of an empathy he carries. And is that like part of the reason he's, he's willing to let like a J.R. Smith back into the fold? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, the, the thing with Jr. Um, that that was such an obvious mistake, and it was devastating in the moment. But we all know, first of all, I mean, George missed the free throw right before before that. Sure. Um, and then beyond that, the Cavs had no business, no business whatsoever in that series. Even to I be mean, the Warriors there, yeah. were powerhouse. It just it just wasn't going to happen. And yeah. so, like. You know, LeBron has known Jr. for a long time. Jr. is a client of of Rich Paul's at, at Clutch, right, right. And you know, like for for fans or for for media, like that, like forgetting the score in Game One of the Finals is something that you just you can't ever forgive. But players are different, and they're cut. Right. From, it's just a different thing. And so, you know, I think a lot more. Like, there's a lot more. You said empathy. That's part of it, but but also just like things that matter to the players are different than what we think they are. Mm. Joe, that was a great answer. And I just want to know how large is your Roland space jam too? (laughs) (laughs) I am not, you know, listen, the closest (laughs) I've got to that is they agreed to uh, share with me some details about their filming and about, about um, I report, I reported that they had, uh, they had built a court for LeBron at, uh, on site. So that's, yeah. that's the extent <laughs> of my space jam to uh, access is, is I got that little tiny nugget. there. We'll see you flying high soon enough. with some <laughs> oh, animated yeah. characters. Denny's right. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm curious, like who, who in your estimation, you know, because of the, the absences and some teams and the strange circumstance, is there, is there a couple players you're kind of, eyeing right now that you think will really break out and showcase themselves in this thing yeah i mean it starts with like 
I mean, the MVP discussion is LeBron or Giannis, right? Yeah. I, like, I actually believe the best player in the NBA is Kawhi Leonard. Um, I do. I think that he controls games that matter in a way that LeBron still can, maybe, but but right, but Kawhi's better at it now. Yeah. Um, and and he's healthy, I think. And so, you know, I really think it starts with the Clippers and Kawhi, and then his running mate, Paul George certainly has not been healthy all year sure and he is healthier than he's been so i start there with them um again because of this weird just the weird circumstances like i think russ and 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 james if they can get healthy i think they have a a chance to to really turn some heads and then i would watch um you know pascal siakam over there with Mm. toronto because he's awesome and he showed during the regular season that he could fill in for Kawhi, which is like Neither the Heat yeah. nor the Cavs like had that when LeBron left, and yes. and the Raptors do, um, and and I just think the Raptors have such a good system, you know, yes, and they know how to play together that like they could be the surprise team, and if that's the case, it would be uh, on Siakam's shoulders. So tell me, we, when we get to the end of this bubble, either a player, uh, Adam Silver team, who wins this whole thing from a basketball perspective and then the whole, the whole shebang. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Adam silver already deserves an enormous amount of credit um, for just leading the charge and getting us into getting us this far. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Because so, because so far the bubble has worked. Yeah. It, it, It has like what they designed has caught every, single positive test before anybody has stepped out onto campus, which is what was designed, how this was designed to work. So assuming we can get all the way to the end without this thing totally falling apart. I mean, Adam Silver's legacy will be cemented, uh, you know, and then beyond that, I mean, I guess I'll pick, I think I'm going to pick the Clippers right now. Um, I love the bucks. I really do. But, you know, I, I, I thought at the beginning of the year that the Clippers had had the right mix and then they got better at the trade deadline. So I think it's the Clippers. But uh, if, if LeBron can somehow pull this off, it would it would be that's an interesting podcast discussion, because right now, hands down, the greatest championship LeBron has won was with the Cavs mm, because of the yeah. whole story and coming back from three one, like all the block, whatever. Definitely. But if you can win one for the Lakers the year that Kobe died when they had to shut down the whole year for four months because of this ridiculous pandemic, and then you got to be shoved into a bubble here for another three months, and you come out at the end at age 35 and win it all, ah, (laughs) that's pretty good. (laughs) And Let's not forget, too, the the motivation I think he's got from – the last dance documentary, you know, like I feel like before that documentary came out, the conversation started getting a lot more equal with LeBron and Michael, where people are starting to mm-hmm. imagine that LeBron's on the same level. And then I feel like a bunch of people under 25 years old watched the last dance and changed their mind. And yeah. they're like, yeah, it's Jordan. It's Jordan. And now I feel like LeBron needs at least one more. And the one with the Lakers to balance that conversation out again. And he wants it. He does. Now let's talk about this a little bit. Um, Like I am fine with people saying that Michael Jordan is the best basketball player of all time. It's fine. Six titles, Mm -hmm. 
the scoring titles, the, the his will, you know, yeah. it, just he's a, a cult, you know, he's a killer. You can't die on the hill saying he's not. That's right. It's right. fine. <laughs> yeah. But if you want to say LeBron, let's talk about this. LeBron went to eight straight finals yes. with two different teams. Okay. Some of which not very good. Some of which not very good. Yeah. He won three, it's true. He's lost six, which is as many wins as Michael has in the finals. Right. But Michael could only make it three finals in a row, and then he had to quit twice. Twice. Yeah. Like the enormous pressure and demands on your schedule, considering who they are in the world, who Michael was at the time, who LeBron mm -hmm. has been for the last eight years. LeBron never never asked out michael That's did true. twice that's yeah. the first thing and then the second thing is that like yes lebron has had some good teammates like Dwayne wade of course great bosh great Kyrie, i mean couldn't i mean he was ridiculous uh big z in his couch yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know but but none of those guys are scotty pippen right? yeah right. and he had scotty for all six finals mm -hmm. so it's it, you know, I, I mean, I, I think that I, I think that Michael probably is the better winner. Um, you know, I think he deserves the mantle that he carries, but I think that LeBron probably actually is the better player. I think he does more things better than Michael does. I could see it. And if this bubble goes well for the Lakers, that's going to look good for you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. It's a bold prediction. <laughs> Well, you're going to watch my boy Karis LeVert be the uh, the bubble's leading scorer since the Nets are about, about to sign me to play. So you love the Nets. Oh, uh, diehard. Yeah, diehard Nets fan since, since Jersey. I don't know if I can forgive them, though, for not keeping Kenny. Yeah. I love Kenny Atkinson. I do, too. There was a little, like... I, I, got, I don't have too many inside sources, but I have a couple near the Nets... Okay. And I'm sure you have them too. The same. I, I can't believe I just said that to an actual NBA reporter. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I mean, it really felt like to me that the people who came into the fold this year just weren't weren't going to play for a guy who didn't have one yet. Um, right. And and it seemed like it just came down to that. You have a couple of like. I really think the whole deal with KD right now is like I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not a socialist anymore. This is Katie's team. He's like, mm -hmm. you know, and I think he's really trying to put his flag in the ground. And I think he specifically like wanted to gear towards somebody that he could look up to, to get to where he wanted to go on his own. Yes. And I don't know if Kenny does that. I mean, he's great development coach, but even in the last couple of years, you did see, a little bit of that like in-game stuff that was really, really sharp when he first got there seemed to go off a little bit. Um, and there's just not as much of a need for, for young development on this team as you saw they're going to you know, basically put anyone on the block who's, who's not the big two anymore to, right. to try to win this championship. So I, I love Kenny too, and he did things for that team that we so desperately needed. But, you know, as an optimistic fan, I've talked myself out of Kenny Atkinson already. <laughs> it's fine. Listen, I mean, I think Ty is going to end up being their coach and he'll he, he'll be a great fit with Kyrie and, and, and with KD. I just um, 
I did a story this year. I spent two weeks uh, with with Brooklyn during two homestands, oh, and okay. the whole story was about how the Nets really encouraged their players to to adopt Brooklyn yeah. as their own community and live in Brooklyn instead yeah, of over there in Manhattan. Yeah. And yeah, like the kids in yeah. school there, yeah, that's right. Like, and he Kenny would walk to the games right. every day, yeah. you know. Uh, and, and just really fell in love with it. And, you know, so they, so they just being around the team so much, like I had really gotten to like the culture there and, and yeah. just kind of like all of that. And I was surprised that they moved on from each other with the nets, like pretty much firmly in the playoffs. But, you know, I mean, Kyrie, I mean, that's, you know, that's somebody that I know, uh, well, and it just hasn't gone great for him since he left Cleveland and, yeah. um, I think that he, I think he will benefit from having KD there and in uniform. I'm yes. just hope I'm hopeful that KD that that he can come back from this injury. It's the pretty much the worst injury you can have for a basketball. Yeah. yeah, I mean the thing that's been really encouraging about you know being at most games. You know, I, I probably go to you know twenty or thirty of the home games a year, as season ticket holder. Okay, and that's awesome. You, really, you know, really, you've watched KD. KD's been at nearly every game this last season you know end of the bench him and theo pinson you know fucking yamming <laughs> it up you know you can see him talking to the towel kids the water kids you know what i mean really like being involved with the bench and i really get this impression that that katie wants this team you know that that for the first time i think he wants the whole thing to be on his shoulders and like you said i think personality wise he can handle it we don't know if he can play the way he used to, but I do think if that dynamic sets in, there's nothing better for Kyrie Irving than that. The yes. fact that there is a clear number one, this is his team and you're the support piece, I think is good for Kyrie, obviously. Yeah, I really do. I mean, he, you know, he wanted he wanted his own team. He wanted to to kind of have the responsibility and the limelight and basically everything that he couldn't get playing alongside LeBron. Right. So he forced his way out. He gets it in Boston. He learns the hard way that he does not want this. Mm. Yeah. So then he comes to Brooklyn with, with Katie. He knows that he's going to be by himself for a year. And so he says, listen, rather than like talking like a leader, I'm just going to go ball and you guys <laughs> yeah, can get behind yeah. me if you want. And he yeah. was, as you know, you well know, Ballin'. he was off the charts good until yeah. he got hurt. Yep. I mean, he was like, he had the best start of his career. And yes. then of course, he gets hurt and then he starts getting on social media and people start talking about his mental health and yeah. everything else. And it's been another train wreck since then. But um, he, yeah, pairing him with another superstar who can kind of handle some of the things that he has learned he can't, yes. uh, I think will be great. And, and I, I still think he's a great player. Joe, because this is a music podcast that masquerades as a sports podcast, contrary yeah. to this segment, what are you listening to as you're writing during this bubble? Yeah, so, um, and I, I actually put this in my story this morning, um, that as I was writing it last night, I was listening to um, uh, Hair Nation Top 100 okay. uh, on Sirius, you know, oh, yeah. uh, um, I mean, definitely, uh, you know, rock hard with the Pearl Jam, uh, uh, Pearl Jam station, um, been listening to a lot of, uh, what is it, the, um, the, cla the, the cassette tape station, oh, the vinyl? With, uh, 
yeah with yeah, with yeah. uh no not the vinyl the the, the one that's more like eight seven oh yeah, eight, yeah 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 oh, cool. with uh rachel right and, exactly uh, christine yeah. yeah yeah i love that um been listening to a lot of that you know i mean i do listen to like uh fly like the fly um you know kind of like when we were in college kind of hip-hop you know i listen to that sometime and um you know i mean every now and then i'll still throw on some country but uh that's <laughs> like those stations are pretty much at the top of my rotation right now very nice. cool awesome well i guess the last question we have for you is when this is all said and done what's the name of your book and what is the highest bid you've gotten for it so far <laughs> <laughs> Man, nobody cares what I have. You two are the only two who care what I have to say at all. Big thanks to Joe Varden there. Man, he's great. But plenty of ways to get in contact with our show. You can email us at the tuneuppodcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. You can follow us, catch all of our videos and stuff at the tuneup HQ on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the big man. He is at Benny Horowitz1. Number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I'm at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, got anything else? Yeah, you know what? Last night, I watched the Quincy Jones documentary oh, so on Netflix. Good. If anyone hasn't seen it, give that thing a whirl because that guy did more by 1964 than, than most people do with their lives and has an incredible sage wisdom through the whole thing that I found so inspiring. And I just feel like, creating every day of my life after watching that documentary so everyone go watch that quincy documentary that was some shit and on the other side of that guess what one i watched this week out of left field the david foster documentary oh Completely yeah different guy, but quincy was in it i mean quite they're honestly the absolute <laughs> like opposites of how you can accept the wisdom of all those years and i prefer the quincy jones model personally <laughs> me too this has been yeah. the tune-up